You're listening to the Identity at the Center podcast. This is the show that talks about identity and access management and making sure you know who has access to what. Let's get started. Welcome to the Identity at the Center podcast. I'm Jeff, and that's Jim. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Oh, not so bad. Yourself? Hey, man. Living the dream here at the Gartner IAM Summit. Um, today was awesome. The keynote this morning was one of the best that I've I've seen. I mean, so it was Matthew Loon. Loon, I think. Loon. Mm-hmm. Or and, Lund, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Matt. Master storyteller. <laughs> yeah, so if, if, I'm sure he's like a big listener of the podcast. So if he is, sorry about that. But yeah, I mean, just he talked about how to tell stories, um, you know, pretty much whatever industry you're in. But a little bit of background on him. He was, you know, he did, was like a artist for The Simpsons. And then wound up doing, um, you know, animation. story creation and yeah. animation for Pixar, right? And working for Steve Jobs and, I mean, what an, another creative person. So it was like the combined creativity. But the biggest thing for me was like, I was just sitting there thinking, imagine if you were good enough at communicating that you could be doing what he's doing and doing it as masterfully as he is. And yeah, I, I wanted to segue with that, or at least just kind of mention. So we've got a guest here today, mm-hmm. uh, Luis Almeida, and this guy is a master at communication, right? And he is, like, I've just, he has a way of connecting with people emotionally um, and empathetically. And I think that was, like, I've seen him succeed so many times in, you know, making customers feel like, our clients feel like, you know, they're they're really they're more than customers, right? They're, they're somebody that he cares about and he's not going to abandon them, things like that. So anyway, I wanted to say that about Luis because I just have a ton of respect for him. Yeah. So oh, we, man, I, ha- I have to jump in. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's one of the nicest things I've heard in a long time, Jim, and it really means a lot to me. You know, for, for your listeners, they might not know. I mean, the people that, that are here with me today, Jim and Jeff, I consider really good friends. So, so thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. Not a dry eye in the house here. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, this is a good way to kick things off. I think, you know, just a level set, right? We're here at the Gardner Conference. We're trying to put out a whole bunch of content. We put out something last night that was uh, kind of day one. Now we're here into day two. Jim, our, our scheduling guru, has booked a variety of great guests. Luis Almeida is our first one. He's with Clear Sky. He's the chief revenue officer, which I assume means make a crap ton of money for the company. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk to that. And again, we're in the uh, the suite that has been so graciously donated by the fine folks at RSM. So thank you very much, RSM. Um, why don't we start? Well, so the last time you were on the show with us, Luis, was episode 78. And we talked about digital transformation. And that has been one of the themes that really kind of jumped out to me as part of this conference is we heard it yesterday. And... I noticed this with the keynotes, and we talked about this in, a, in our preview of the Gartner episode, is a lot of the keynotes are focused on the human part of identity. And really, not even identity, but business, emotion, storytelling, those sorts of things. And one of the things that came out was digital transformation was people get lost in this obtuse phrasing and nomenclature of we're going to digitally transform, blah, 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 and it is not doesn't make a lick of sense when you say it. Like distilling that down into something that makes sense is something that uh, 
is really the articulation of that message where we want to go. And you know, to, to echo Jim's point, you know, if we've been on sales calls as all having been former with Identropy and listening to the connections and the stories has been a big part, I think, of the success that we had as a group and obviously you know, individually as well. Um, but with that long preamble in place, I guess, how is your conference going so far? Are you attending uh, sessions? Are you uh, a booth babe? You know, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never been so active in the booth. I've been to probably 15 gardeners, and I was famous for never really showing up at the booth. Yeah. I mean, you know, can't confirm. <laughs> you know, my, my, my prior employer, we were really at the at the center. I'd say, like, I, I would say almost that we were at the general store of identity, right? Vendors wanted us to partner with them and clients were aware of the work that we did. So it was really kind of one of the hubs um, at the Gartner event. So I was always busy, right? Um, today, as you know, I'm with a with a smaller company that's really, you know, trying to make its mark. And as a result, you know, I'm, I was there yesterday morning unboxing things and setting up the booth in my suit. And as I was doing that, I couldn't believe I was doing it. Manual labor. I was doing manual labor, <laughs> you know, and um, it felt really good. And it's been a great conference for us. It really has. And the way I measure that is, you know, the traffic through the expo hall and also the interest that the customers that are attending have and also their knowledge, right? So, always engaged in conversations, knowledgeable people. They know what IGA is, not spending a lot of time explaining what, what we do. And for those reasons, it's really been a good conference for us. What are you noticing about this year compared to prior? Because you've been to 15. That's a lot. Yeah. I thought eight for myself was a lot, but yeah. 15 is double it almost. I, 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 would, I would guess 15. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so what's different? Like what's different from this year so, compared maybe to prior years? So, you know, I'm sensing a lot less hype, okay? Like I think that, you know, identity has become a reality. I mean, it has been for a long time, right? But I remember the days where, you know, SailPoint was taking over the world and it was like this, you know, this banner out in front and Okta was growing and it was just craziness. And I just felt like, you know, the booths were huge. And the sense I got this week was that, you know, even the larger vendors downsized their booths. Like you have major players like um, Broadcom or One Identity, you know, in, in, in reasonably si sized booths. It's almost as if people have come a little bit to their senses and are making the best use of their marketing dollars. Um, I see attendance up. I think there is a good amount of people. Like if you saw the keynotes, all of those people, I, I was shocked at how many people were in uh, the, the hall there. Um, so for us, extremely positive in that sense, because our small booth didn't, you, you know, it was able to be seen um, and lots of great conversations. So it's a good show. Yeah, I noticed at your booth how busy you guys were. Um, I also saw some booths where there wasn't much traffic. So I think people are coming into the vendor hall and kind of seeking out who they want to talk to. They're, they're more educated, to your point, more educated on what they're looking for, what they need. They kind of know what I am is. And I, I credit that somewhat to, I think, the pandemic and people having to kind of do some research and not having conferences every year. Is my impression in past years was people were showing up completely green on what I am was. 
The other thing I would say, though, is, you know, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, is that I think many more, like a higher percentage of the audience is coming from, these are IAM practitioners working for organizations where they're doing IAM for their organization rather than consultants and vendors. What are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like it's a, a greater percentage right now? We, you know, we did see some SIs come through the booth. I didn't see a lot of them. You know, there wasn't this huge presence. I think that they're probably here and off, off show a little bit and doing their dinners. I just saw a lot of educated customers. And I think the difference this year was if you're here post-COVID, it's because you really wanted to be here, right? People aren't traveling gratuitously nowadays so the people that came they've missed it they wanted to be here and you know for us it's like a high school reunion i mean it's it's crazy so there's a social aspect to it and and hooking up with um the channel partners such as yourselves for us that's a tremendous opportunity as well yeah i would say also you know it's a big investment especially if you're a company sending three four team members i mean you know you have the cost of the passes the cost of the travel as well as like the opportunity cost of not being in your seat doing your job. But when I think about the benefit of sending people to a conference, there's the employee retention aspect. So I'm thinking about it from a, a company that, you know, does, doesn't do IAM for their business, but does IAM. Sending people, it's em employee retention because people will feel like, hey, my company cares about me, they're going to send me. And then there's the education aspect. I mean, I've really been coming away from this Gartner conference with a lot of you know knowledge that I'll be able to put to work. And I've been in the industry for 20 years. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I'm getting that feedback from people visiting that, that brought non-identity people. There was one customer that said he brought an audit team and he said some of the sessions were really good for them and other was, were above their heads, more suited for him. So there's a good mix there. But you made me think of our friend Andrea Faccioli of NetBR in Brazil. Remember him? He brought eight people from Sao Paulo to the conference. And it's about retention. And it's about, look at who we are. We're a player. You know, I think he's one of the largest IGA integrators in PAM and other things that he does in Brazil. And they're celebrating it. And they're having a blast. And usually I'd be out with them, but I can't keep up because I'm doing <laughs> manual labor at the booth, which is great too. So this has been a good good change for me. And getting your, your boots back on the ground, <laughs> getting connected right. with uh, the right. common man, Luis. That's right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about ClearSky. I think one of the things that we like to do is kind of talk through some of the different vendors in the space. Um, I know you guys are in IGA, but what is it that ClearSky does that's different than other folks that are in this? Thanks. So, you know, so so Gartner, I, I like to look at Gartner. I think Gartner is a great reference for the market, people looking at the market. They've spent a lot of time researching IGA and, you know, they killed the magic quadrant. And if you talk to Enrique, you know, he'll tell you that the reason they killed it or the reason Gartner kills quadrants is because the products get commoditized. And we see that, you know, in our jobs, like, you know, we used to always, when, when we, and my former employer that we all worked together, you know, I used to say it's not about the product, right? It's really about making sure that you know what you want to accomplish with the pro pro product, having a good partner and deploying it. And I, I think that's absolutely the case with IGA. Um, the reason ClearSky was attractive to me 
is because they're doing, we're doing that on a platform. And that platform is ServiceNow. And before ClearSky, I thought ServiceNow was ITSM. ServiceNow is not ITSM. So much more. So much more. It's this platform, and you know, I worked at CA for a while. We used to say at CA that the CA products all had a common bus between them. It was not true, okay? <laughs> the products were all standalone products. <laughs> the platform is a common bus. So everything that ServiceNow puts out and puts on that platform is integrated. And what we're seeing, Bill McDermott, their CEO who led SAP for a long time is really IT is no longer a burden. It's now the engine that's fueling business. And that's really what digital transformation is about. And those guys are leading the way. So for us to be able to put IGA on the platform, initially I thought it was about a better integration with ITSM, but it's not. What we're doing is we're putting the user information up there. So if you're a company that views ServiceNow strategically and you've got all of these workloads up there, GRC, HR, uh, the SecOps products, right? And now you put your users and their entitlements up there, it's almost necessary to have it there. So we've got that privilege that that's what we're doing. And so we have, um, I won't say a better mousetrap, but a different one that for certain companies is, is, is very powerful. Yeah, I think historically people have looked at platforms as Microsoft, yeah. the OS type yeah. of level, right? Linux, right? Those sorts of things. And do you think people are starting to figure out that there are other platforms like ServiceNow, like Salesforce, uh, SAP even itself sometimes is its own platform. From your traffic and your conversations, are people picking up on sort of this paradigm shift that it's not just the OS, maybe that's, that's running the platform, it's something else? You know, it's very interesting because the early adopters are. So if you were to say, who does see ServiceNow that way, it's going to be your large financial organizations, right? So AT, um, ITSM is everywhere. Like, you know, almost every enterprise has a ServiceNow footprint. But it's only the really large organizations that have said, this is going to be that platform that manages other platforms. You know, again, I'll point to Bill McDermott. I've been listening to him a lot, you know, and he talks about the hyperscalers, right? Azure and AWS and those other platforms, because we don't compete with them. Then we also don't compete with your ERP systems or your CRM systems. And he sees them as a platform that manages other platforms. I was talking to a gentleman from Accenture in Australia because, you know, as a startup, one of my privileges is I handle Australia, which means I get to work at 8 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at, at night. At least you get to go there? <laughs> yeah, do you get to go there? That's a, That's yeah, the we get to go there, yep, for sure. Right. Okay, well, I don't feel so bad then. <laughs> <laughs> and he said to me, he goes, I see ServiceNow as a category killer. And What does that mean, category killer? So IGA. It has the potential, maybe not through us, but it has the potential to kill the category, right? If you think about it where, um, and it, you have to think of this through time, as it evolves and kills other, as it grows and becomes more market share, has more market share in different categories, you're going to have more value. You know, one plus one doesn't equal two, it equals four. And as you put more and more products on that platform, it starts to become best of breed across all of these different categories. Um, like, for instance, remember when we integrated Exabeam with SailPoint? 
you know very clearly so the <laughs> so their security products are set up to as they develop these best of breed solutions on the platform everything's integrated you're you're feeding a common database basically or graph or you know lake whatever we want to call it right yeah. all the data is going into a centralized location which makes it available for other services to consume right i mean and i'm shocked by and by what the possibility is there and you know it's never a service now guy the first time i went to service now knowledge it blew my mind it was like that a parable of the frog that lived in a well that then left the well and saw the ocean and his mind blew up. And I'm like, oh my God, it was just, you know, thousands of people. So it's very interesting what they're doing. I think they've got the right culture and we're, we're fortunate to be a part of that. We kind of almost stumbled into it because we thought it was just ITSM. And, you know, we're learning again, which is, which is really nice. Like I'm learning you, a lot about that. Do you hear objections where people say, Oh yeah, we're not going to go ServiceNow. It's too expensive. I hear a lot of obje objections about ServiceNow. You know, it's quite common, and that's why I think um, we're best. They're, they're, we're a fit for certain companies, right? Just like in IGA, how many times have you guys heard I'm not happy with my IGA solution? It's like Gartner says it's seventy six percent of vendors <laughs> aren't or customers aren't happy with their IGA. Why? It's really expectations. Like, remember, you know, one of the things we'd always do is define requirements and objectives and make sure for our customers that those were attainable requirements and objectives. Help them sell to their organization attainable goals so that they didn't get in trouble. I think with ServiceNow, it's very similar. Okay, the, you can do anything with that product, right? You can workflow anything. So you could get carried away. <laughs> You know? This is well, true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen this one trend with customers who have had a, who have been on the IGA journey and have done it right, and they get four, five, six years into it, and then they get to the point where it's like they put so much into the IGA system, now their managers are getting 100 approval requests a day, right? So now they have to figure out, well, how do we, how do we take care of that issue? Yeah, and I think ServiceNow, if you don't manage it appropriately, right, it can it can be hard to get value out of for some that go beyond just ITSM. And I think other organizations within the company get a little jealous, maybe, of the resources that are going there. Yeah. I hear a lot of people say the ServiceNow guys always think they can solve <laughs> everything, mm -hmm. you know? So I well, think that... That's true. I mean, look, the Microsoft guys think they can solve everything. Yeah. <laughs> and no matter what, you know, yeah. when you... The only tool you have is a hammer. Everything looks like a nail, I think, is true in IT. One thing I wanted to ask you about is, you know, Gartner has this idea of, like, IGA Lite. What are your thoughts on that? I love it. Let's I define it. it. What is IGA Lite? I, I love it. They explain what IGA Lite is, right? They basically – it came out in this Gartner capabilities document, IGA capabilities, which substituted for the, the Magic Quadrant. Um so they break down all the functions, right? You think about role engineering, SOD, and entitlements management, password reset. They break all of that up and they say, look, IGA Lite are these five things. In that paper, they go on to talk about how people buy IGA and they end up using, I think the number was like 30. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have <laughs> to go look. Like, yeah, right? yeah. Like, <laughs> you end up using 30% of what you buy or 26% of what you buy. 
And I go, that's what we've been telling our successful customers all along. Mm -hmm. You focus on what's important. And what's more important than aggregating user information, correlating it, and then reporting on who has access to what? I'm always amazed that people that are just starting off, they're like, I want to provision to these 20 apps. I'm like, man, just do <laughs> reviews. <laughs> right. you know I mean? You're still faxing paper <laughs> in for requests. Let's let's take a take the training wheels off first. Just do reviews. And in my mind, that's IG Lite. Okay. And it's really interesting, Jeff, you know this. The more hardcore seasoned identity practitioners, they know this. Mm -hmm. I get pretty jaded sometimes when I hear vendor messaging and I'm going to pick on AI. Oh Every my. vendor has some sort of AI component. Oh, my god! And it's like, okay. And I tell customers all the time like, that we work with is, look, don't get distracted by the shiny thing. Like, you need to get the basics right. AI is not going to do anything for you until you get the basics right. Yeah, and if you do it basically, you do it in a basic way that delivers a lot of value. Like, we talked about, you know, basic roles, mm -hmm. you know, and, and some rules and so those things. Then you don't really need AI. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting about that is we're starting, so I never really said that we were tremendously innovative. People would ask me, what's your differentiator? I'd say we do it on service now. So it's our user experience, you know, it's the platform. But I'm starting to see some differentiators because we've opted not, we developed some AI stuff, but we like crowdsourcing, right? We like the idea of what about you ask people what a group does? Right, or you ask people what an account is, and you start to build a, um, a library of these things that can help define entitlements. I'll never forget that one account that you and I worked on. Um, I, I, I think it's a naval manufacturer <laughs> that I think you went in. I know in, what you're talking about you now. Know, yeah. I know you went in and you built oranges, a, you, oranges. <laughs> you built a very, you took like a month and you had the application owner and you had the managers in a room building an entitlements library. Like, what does this entitlement do? So that when you review it, you know what you're reviewing. The basics. The basics. Now imagine if we did that during a review process where you go, do you certify this access? And you don't have to say yes or no. You could say, I don't know what this is. Goes back, somebody answers what it is, it comes back and that gets stored. And that becomes available to the next person. I don't. You don't even have to ask what it is. There's an information thing, and now you know what that entitlement is. Mm -hmm. And you can have a whole effort that's workflow driven around building an entitlement library. Like that's the kind of thing that I think is more cool than AI. To be honest with you, it's like this live, dynamic data thing, right? That exists, and it's constantly being updated and enriched. And definitions can change over time, right? You can call it one thing, and okay. then. Somewhere, someone internally rebrands it, and now it's got a different name, and you keep it going. It's, you know, I used to, back in the days, we had Ro Rosa Black on here a couple days ago, and one of the things that I'm sure she'll remember is um, we, we set up a wiki with all of our documentation and how we did things, but it was constantly changing. So I was always harping on the team, did you update the wiki? <laughs> if, it, if you didn't update the wiki, the information didn't exist and it didn't matter. <laughs> I've seen that type of discussion all the time in our engineering team versus our customer success team. Customer success wants something in the product <laughs> and engineering is like, did you update? It's not a wiki, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I hear the same things yeah. over there. Yeah. I wanted to make some observations about the, the vendor. I'll bring it back to that conversation. So you mentioned the booths are smaller. I agree. Um, 
the the makeup of the vendors, like where's Oracle? They're not there, right? Broadcom, small booth. I mean, those were the two heaviest hitters of all 10 years ago. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out was just, you know, a lot, of, there are a lot of booths, right? And a lot of companies with smaller booths, but they're still there. And I think it's this area around, there are a couple of areas where they're still emerging. So IGA is not really what I would call emerging. The areas that are emerging are managing access to your cloud infrastructure. So not cloud apps, but more your AWS, mm -hmm. your Google Cloud, things like that. The other is in the authentication space around you know verified identity or um, biometrics, stuff like that. So those are areas, that's what's always been cool to me about IAM is there's always something that's emerging, that's pushing the boundaries that could be the next big thing. Um, then the last point that I wanted to make was something you brought up earlier around, like, remember when we were working on Exabeam and, like, where's UBA? That was, like, the, the storyline of the, that's the next big thing. It's not only who has access to what, it's what are they doing with that access, and can we detect anomalies? Now it's like, where is that? Where's that conversation? Is it just now baked into products so there's no need for an Exabeam or... <clears throat> I mean, I remember working closely with Exabeam at the time, and I thought, you know, what a great company. They're growing so fast and dynamic. And they talked about how user behavior analytics was going to be a thing of the past. And I think that that space is evolving very quickly. I did see Guru Call here, right? And I think, you know, one of the most impressive presentations I ever saw was the CISO of Aetna talking about how he had integrated Guru Call and Savient and, you know, created the stuff that we were trying to create um, at that at Identropy, right? And the integration between SailPoint and Exabeam. What did we learn there, though? We learned that there was politics, mm -hmm. that the person that owned the lake, the data lake, didn't want to interact with the person that owned identity. And I think what's great about what you're saying about the Gartner show here, it's really one of the three pillars of IAM. It's either PAM, it's access management, or it's IGA. That's the bulk of the people that are, that are here. And I think that that's really what makes this show special. You know, like go to, I'm only even exaggerate RSA, which is so huge, right? But there's no threat guys here. And it's refreshing. I mean, you know, because let's go back to basics almost. It really is. It's a good show. Yeah. I think I think UBA is something that I was very interested in because I think it's a under leveraged component of an identity program. You've got all this data and nobody does anything with it. It's like, oh, we created a ticket. Cool. What are you doing with that information, right? Are you doing metrics, SLAs? Are you looking for anomalies, et cetera? And I think UBA was supposed to be the the solve that would fix that for you. And now we've got this space called ITDR, Identity Threat Detection and Response, which is like this, I, which to me sounds like UBA. It's just yeah. a different acronym for essentially the same or similar capabilities. We showed our solution working with some security products that um, ServiceNow has. And one of the CISOs, they have several CISOs, one of the CISOs that's focused on the financial vertical for ServiceNow goes, I need to show you this product to our threat hunters. You know, honestly, I'm, I'm not a security guy, so I don't even know exactly what he loved about it, but that's the potential of the platform. B 
because those things are all there naturally integrated and you could you could do things that otherwise would re require an integration and the platform is breaking down those political barriers right because before you, you they just didn't want to work together and i think if those things go to a service now like platform those walls get broken down to a degree yeah i mean i think that's one thing that becomes difficult is if you're trying to do ticketing within your iga platform but your network people your application people do their ticketing in service now there's a disconnect so at the very minimum and I know we we started the conversation off ServiceNow is not just about ticketing, but people don't want to have to go to switch to two different tools to do essentially the same thing. So pulling it all together to me is, you know, where things have to head. And I guarantee you, there's tons of people out there going, "There's no way I'm putting IJA on 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 ServiceNow," and we get it, right? I mean, you want to control what you're doing. You're familiar. There's a lot of investments, and in that sense, you know, we're also taking an approach. You know, don't don't change what you're doing. How about we connect in to your IGA solution and pull that data up onto the platform? Mr. Identity Guy, you might not have a need for that, but maybe your auditor that's running ServiceNow GRC does, or maybe your HR team does that wants to manage non-employee records and wants to do some vendor stuff. So just open up your platform. It's okay. It's not going to hurt. <laughs> and we'll pull that up onto ServiceNow, and the ServiceNow team can do what it will with it. You know, it's another approach. It's an interesting, it's an interesting idea of leveraging, essentially, two IGA products within the environment to act as a bridge between platforms. Because you might have said, okay, well, SailPoint is our platform for identity. Okay, cool. Or Okta, right, or whatever it may be. But you might still have ServiceNow. And what are, the, what are you doing to enrich that data? And most people have Tailpoint, Okta, Azure, and all of these things, mm -hmm. right? And the question then becomes, is ServiceNow strategic enough that you would have use for this user data? And if you have use to this user data, you guys know, we can connect into that target system. It's just a target system. And the beauty of it is if I connect into one target system and it happens to be an IGA platform, what's that connected to? all the other apps downstream, right? Mm -hmm. So it could be like a universal adapter to get those identities in the environment. Some sort of like bridge. Identity oh, bridge. bridge. Identity something, bridge. I don't know. Yeah. Or fabric. Yeah. It's getting overplayed. <laughs> um, all right, I want to give you cognizant of time because we've certainly waxed poetic here around a few different things. Um, I'm going to go completely left field here. Does Bigfoot exist? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I'm known to be a bit of a conspiracy theorist. Notice he didn't say no right away. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm way out there, and I came across this YouTube channel, and I highly recommend it to fall asleep. It's called the Sasquatch Chronicles. <laughs> this gentleman has 750-plus episodes where he interviews people that claim to have seen Sasquatch or Bigfoot or Skunk Ape. If you listen Wait, to Wait, what was the last one? Skunk Ape. So I had no idea. What they, is that? So it's Bigfoot in Florida. Okay, I live in Miami, as you guys know. I'm like right on the right, like by Big Cypress, the Everglades. Right. Apparently, there's Bigfoot in Florida. I okay, so this is this is breaking news. I thought Bigfoot was in Alaska. Everywhere they have they have they have sightings all across the Appalachians, down into Florida and the South. 
And listen, I'm not saying Bigfoot exists, which I'm not, because I think you – but the people that do think he exists or she exists – It, something, l- yeah. Listen to their reaction. Interesting. I think it would be hard for you to fake the amount of fear that these people have when they're describing those sightings. So Sasquatch Chronicles, check it out. It's worth it. <laughs> Interesting. So there's apparently there's big feet if there's multiple sightings or a very, a very uh, traveled uh, Bigfoot. Yeah. What do you think, Jim? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you're crazy. I don't man. think so. Um, yeah, especially, I don't know, you know, I was going to say, well, maybe, I don't know, like in Alaska or something. Then when you mentioned Florida, I was like, I don't think so. Skunk Ape, yeah, check it out. Listen to a couple of those people telling their stories and yeah. tell me what you think. Yeah, you know, and the other thing is you could take that and turn it into a show on the History Channel. So maybe that's what that guy's trying yeah, to do probably. is like build a case Hey, totally. we should have a History Channel show. You already have one on Ancient Aliens, which that show is like totally. So I would there. say that Bigfoot to me is like the perfect IGA program. It might be out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Do you ever boy. notice that, that Louise kind of reminds you of the one guy from Ancient Aliens? He's like the main. With the hair? With the hair. The, guy, the, the hair. main conspiracy guy. I'm not saying it's IGA, but right. it might be IGA. It might be IGA. <laughs> Aliens. Man. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah. What was it? Skunk Ape? Skunk Ape. Yep. Skunk Ape. I, that's a new one for me. Yeah, See, this out. is why people tune into Identity at the Center to get hard-hitting news and information. <laughs> no, no, this is why feet. people stop and, Identity <laughs> at the Center five minutes before <laughs> the show ends. And by the way, before we end, I just want to congratulate you guys on the success of the podcast. I know you guys have a lot of listeners out there. I'm really happy for you guys. I know you guys have a new gig now. Um, wish you guys all the best. I really do. Okay, and... Uh, Let's see how we could help the IGA space together. That's so nice. I think, you know, we're all family now at this point. Yeah. So that's very cool. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up for this uh, episode. Again, we're here at Gartner talking with different folks. Thanks again to RSM for the sweet, sweet, as sweet, Jim likes sweet. to say. And uh, you can find us online, identitycenter.com. We're at Twitter, IDAC Podcasts. Clear Sky has a website, uh, Clear, C L E A R. S-K-Y-E, because the Y-E. Because we like scotch. Because uh, <laughs> it's sky, the olive gotcha. sky. Uh, it's clearsky.com. Because we love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, we'll go ahead and leave it there this week. Thank you so much for, for being here, Luis. Uh, good friend of the program and in real life, which is cool. So uh, we'll go ahead and stop it there. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk with you all in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Identity at the Center podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and visit us on the web at identityatthecenter.com.